My friends, I see a team that is ready. I can see a team that's ready tonight. A united group of candidates, a team that's going to work for each and every one of you. In June, we will deliver victory for each and every one of you in this great province. A strong, a stable, a majority government. And it, and it all starts here. I can assure you the Liberals are watching us tonight. And I can assure you they are worried. They are terrified when they see a united party like the PC party. <laughs> Who is Doug Ford? I'm Arlene Bynan. I'm Jamie Ellerton, and this is By a Dog, the podcast. And will the real Doug Ford stand up? It's so fascinating, Jamie, as we look at the uniqueness of Doug Ford as a leader. Can't really be put into a bottle, and how he is trying to keep a foot in a whole bunch of different camps. He's been labeled the populist and tied into Donald Trump, but he's a totally different guy. You know, he can pull from the NDP, also pull from the liberals, because he's got, in some ways, that common touch. You and I have been talking about it, and today we're going to get a an overview of who this guy might be and who he can appeal to from a vet. Indeed, I think his victory kind of took people by surprise as the leadership race went down. People were, I think, more or less expecting Christine Elliott to uh, come away with it. But Doug was able to pull it off on the point system. And I think there are a lot of people who don't really yet know who Doug Ford is. They think of his brother's time as mayor of the city of Toronto and and, and part of that circus. But Doug very much is his own man. And uh, he'll have a shot this spring to introduce himself to Ontarians and uh, perhaps be the next premier. He he really is unique. And I, I meant that word because I can't think of many politicians who could pull from all three sides. You know, when his brother was elected mayor, I was doing call-in afternoon drive talk radio in the city of Toronto, and I felt it. I mean, it was such a huge movement. You could feel the phone just vibrating with people, and there were people from all walks of life. Now, I know Rob had a, you know, he was a little more folksier, and Doug was kind of supposedly the brains behind the operation, but he still has that ability. People can Pair him to Donald Trump, but mm, he doesn't have, you know, he he is very big in minority populations. He's not really Donald Trump. No, far from it. And I think if you look at his performance in the 2014 trial, Toronto mayoralty campaign, watching him throughout this leadership race and in these early days as leader, there's he's a man who looks a lot more comfortable in his own skin and a lot more comfortable in front of large crowds and at the podium. And I think we're just beginning to see who Doug Ford is going to become. So I'm excited to welcome to the show today, Arlene, a woman who is a longtime conservative activist, both in Canada and the United States. She is the senior vice president for the Pathway Group and a senior strategist and organizer for the federal and provincial conservative parties. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to Buy a Dog, Georgianne Burke. Hi, Georgianne. Thank you for joining us. Thanks, Arlene. Nice to join you. I want to ask you, first of all, as we explore Doug Ford, are we looking at a different kind of political animal? I mean, we're watching him move forward here as the leader in Ontario. Let's face it, the whole country, anyone who's into politics is watching these moves. That's very true. Um, I think Doug is a little bit different than perhaps people perceive him. They tend to say because his last name is Ford, he must be exactly like his brother. Um, they've been 
comparisons between him and Donald Trump, which I find really amusing since I've been watching both men pretty closely for the last quite some time. And I, and I don't think that they're as much alike as people might think, except for the fact that they're both appeal to a portion of the population that has pretty much been left by uh, maybe maybe all the parties to a degree, but certainly by the liberals. Um, so I think he's I think he's a little bit different in this sense. Um, he is a businessman, a successful businessman who has operated a business that his dad started, but he actually grew it. It's a it's a, a multinational now. It's in the U.S. and Canada, um, and he's been successful at that. He's a very stable family guy, uh, married for a long time with four daughters. Um, he he has very strong views, very strongly held views, but. He has a message that he delivers consistently and has delivered consistently over the last few years. He also is a very warm, friendly person. Rob was a little bit on the shy side, and the only time that he really came out was once he knew you, he would be more um, outgoing, uh, where Doug is actually quite warm, quite friendly, um, and, and seems to get along well with just about everybody he meets. I was amazed when he came up here to Ottawa and did an event here. The place was packed literally packed and we only gave people maybe two days notice that he was coming and this was before he was leader this is when they were just exploring here uh you know to see what did they think um and this is not exactly what people would call ford territory it's not ford nation territory but he is very popular in eastern ontario um and did really well actually in the leadership up here so i think that um Kathleen Wynne may be in for a surprise if she thinks that she can pigeonhole him as someone he's not. Georgia, let me ask you then. I mean, I I know them both. I, I knew Rob and I do know Doug, and I think you're right. One of the things that really fascinates me is that here we have this candidate who maybe can pull from a lot of sides. Kathleen Wynne may be shaking in her boots, but is the NDP in Ontario doing the same thing. He's got a strange appeal. As you say, he's been compared to Donald Trump, but he also has a really big following in areas Donald Trump would not have. No one would ever, in my experience, call Doug Ford somebody who is a racist. He had a, has a great following in that area. Is he scary to both parties? Uh, he should be scary to both parties, I think, although the NDP will definitely, I, th- I believe they'll benefit somewhat from the losses um, on the liberal side. I think they're going to get votes that are, you know, left votes in, in the liberal that would probably just never mm-hmm. vote conservative. Nothing to do with Doug Ford. I don't think they would have voted for Christine Elliott or Caroline Mulroney or Tanya Granick Allen. I don't think it would have mattered. They're just not conservative voters, and and they may be fed up with uh, the liberals, so they would they would go to the NDP. That's not going to change. But what will um, happen here is that Doug appeals very broadly. I, I was at the at the convention, the leadership convention, and the thing that stuck out in my mind is there were four sections, one for each leadership candidate, and um, the uh, leadership candidates sections were populated by what their supporters, largely mm-hmm. people who they who had bought tickets to be there for them. And Doug's section was the most multicultural I think mm-hmm. I've ever seen in our, our conservative party in Ontario. The, the federal party has been more multi, multicultural thanks to Jason Kenney and all the work that he did and making sure that people felt welcome and all of that. Doug has this natural ability to draw people from everywhere. I saw every single community represented there in decent numbers. 
age-wise, broad cross-section of people from very young to older people, um, people from a variety of different religions. Uh, you know, in talking to people throughout that day, I met people from, you know, the Greek church, from the Catholic <laughs> church, from Protestants, Jews, Hindus, Sikhs, Muslims. He had everything there. And, and the thing that draws them all together is they're all very um, strong about their feelings about being Canadian. They're very strong about their concern about the future for their families. And he's a guy that seems to represent to them someone who actually understands their worries and their concerns. So race and culture and and ethnicity and religion is kind of meaningless in that setting. And he kind of leapfrogs over all those problems, goes straight to the heart of the issue, which is what are real people's real concerns. I think listeners of the podcast on the left who are very much following the identity politics that is somewhat in vogue today has probably just had their heads explode uh, hearing (laughs) that Doug Ford appeals to minority voters. So for those who perhaps aren't in these communities on a day-to-day basis, what about Doug is it that appeals to them beyond kind of a move beyond where they're from and what they want to be accomplishing here? So I think what it is is that he, despite all of the stories out there about him being a racist and a homophobe and all of these other things, when you actually meet the guy, you know that he doesn't care about any of that. They just feel that that he is only interested in them as people. And it's sincere. And it comes across. Um, he has He's represented and lived in a very diverse writing virtually his entire life. He's from the part of Etobicoke, which is very ethnically diverse, which is uh, uh, has a cross. It's probably one of the most diverse areas in the city. And he represented them, and he's worked in that riding politically for most of his life. Uh, so I don't see how someone who who is successful, as successful as the Fords have been, um, in that in that riding, how they could be doing it just based on old white men votes, because clearly that it's not the majority in that riding. The majority of people in that riding are very diverse, and they support the family in huge, huge numbers, including his nephew, Michael. Georgina, let me ask you, is there something else happening here? I mean, we're always looking for bigger trends, but it, we're, we're at a, a moment of change, perhaps. For the first time, Justin Trudeau's axe looks like it's wearing a little thin. The socks aren't working. The trip to India didn't go well. He's down in the polls. Then we have somebody like Doug Ford come forward. The whole country, as we mentioned, is watching him for a lot of the reasons that you've just mentioned. Could it be that our tastes are changing? Are we, I mean, Justin Trudeau winning so many votes, being so progressive, really trying to be this empathetic politician and trying to be what he thought was the antithesis of Stephen Harper. But now we have Doug Ford. Is there a swing here? I, I think it's something that's um, that comes as a result of fatigue, Uh, political fatigue that people get from uh, having politicians who say one thing and do another, who use what I like to term weasel words to describe what they plan to do for you and then weasel out of it in the end. They really don't do what they say they're going to do or they do something which is the polar opposite. Um, They're looking for, um, to use that probably very much overused term, authenticity in their politicians. They want people that feel real to them that in fact they know are real. And whether people like or dislike Doug, I think that people understand that what they see is what they get. This kind of reminds me a little bit of the the Mike Harris uh, period when 
um, people kind of woke up to the fact in the in the mid 90s that this was a guy who said he was going to do certain things. And then when he actually did them, even people who disliked him intensely, teachers, you know, NDPers, uh, others said, well, well, you know, that's what he said he was going to do. And he actually did it. Um, and I think they feel it. This, and, and in that sense, there's an appreciation, even even among people who don't particularly like what he what he wants to do or or are worried about it or don't care for it. I think that they recognize that he is a real person who uh, understands that there are things that people want to know and you can't pull the wool over the voters eyes forever. So I think that's what's happening is people are demanding honesty, no matter how painful that honesty might be from their their leaders, but they also want someone who is basically an optimistic person. They don't want to, you know, a person who's down and negative all the time, even if they're telling them the truth, but it could be someone who tells them the truth and also says, look, this doesn't have to be a disaster. We can work together to fix it. And I think that's the way he speaks. And I think it, I said, um, the first time I heard him, uh, speak to a large crowd, I said, he talks to the minds, minds and hearts of people in a way that very few politicians have done recently. And I think it's a, a, a great trend and I really hope it continues. Um, I think it would be nice to have politicians that really reach out to people um, in, in a genuine way. We've had some, we've had great ones through the years um, that I can think of, but the people who have been leading us recently, particularly in Ontario, have not been exactly the most um, uh, motivating group uh, nor, have I felt that nor have I felt that they were terribly straightforward or honest. Uh, I think they've lied regularly to the voters and people are really fed up with it. Georgianne, we've already seen from Kathleen Wynne and other liberal surrogates a kind of light their hair on fire fear mongering <laughs> as they look to contrast uh, themselves to Doug Ford as leader and as well as kind of a bit of fear mongering and saying what we saw at City Hall under Mayor Rob Ford's tenure is just going to come to the province. What does Doug have to do to move beyond that and introduce himself as his own man and address those criticisms head on so that some of the softer potential voter pool supporters in the center will indeed vote PC on June 7th. So I think what he will have to do is he will actually have to just stick to his message. He will have to not be diverted into the the fist fights and the, I don't mean literal fist fights, I mean the verbal fist fights and, and the negative um, kinds of things that he could be pushed into. A normal person would react if they're accused of something that they haven't done. He's going to have to try to start to answer their question and then pivot to his own message and make sure he sticks to that message because people, number one, generally are, are going to say, I, I think the reaction is going to be the same if the liberals try to pull this, uh, you know, he's a racist, he's a homophobe, he's a crazy man, he's this, he's that. Um, people are going to tend to not believe it or they're going to be a little bit skeptical of it. And if he sticks to his message and doesn't get down into the into the mud and the fight with them and actually delivers a solid, positive, forward-looking message, I think that he will be uh, successful. I believe he will be successful um, and be able to, I think he's going to win anyway, but I think he has to win resoundingly and he'll be able to move forward in a positive way. Um, when people actually get to know Doug, he is not he is not the person that they try to paint him. And I think the more he appears in public, the contrast with Kathleen Wynne particularly will be stark because he's very plain spoken. She's very clever with the words, but people are tired of clever. They just want to hear the, the straight goods. They'll get the straight goods from Doug and they'll be able to assess, do I, is that what I want to hear? Is that what makes me comfortable? Is that a person I can believe? 
um, versus someone who talks nicely and smooth and great uh, rhetoric, but has proven over the last 13 years as part of the liberal government that they can't be trusted, can't be believed, and have only the interest of staying in power at heart. Has Doug changed people's opinions of him already? You know, Georgiana, as you're talking, I'm thinking of, I think he appears differently. I think he talks differently, um, especially after the death of his brother. You can just almost feel, you know, Mm. all politicians and we in the media say, why are you running? Come on, give me your walk in the snow. Give me your raison d'etre here. And it always sounds like they sat around with a whole bunch of people around a table and came up with something. But we know that this is a family thing a heart thing. We know how he feels. And he also seems to be getting way more comfortable in his own skin. Are you kind of seeing that, especially with all your experience watching politicians, or you're seeing him bust out of that mold a little bit? Yeah, actually, that is kind of the wonderful thing. I saw um, the interview that Anthony Fury did with him at the Manning Center. And there was one particular thing he said that really, really moved me personally. He talked about, and this was just in conversation and aside, about how he's going to the hospital when his brother was in the last two weeks of his life. And he said, you know, I've been going there every night and spending the night there. And it was just in passing that he said that. And I thought to myself, wow, like that's, this is a guy who's got a family, got a business, but he knew his brother needed him there and he went there to be with him. Then he went on to say, and I walked in the room and Rob had, you know, uh, the phone up to his ear and a list of phone calls in front of him. And I said to him, Rob, what are you doing? You're sick. You're in the hospital. You should be resting. He said, listen, Dougie, people called me. Uh, They need help. I got to call them back. So then he said, my brother was a true public servant. He said, and that's who I look at. I look at that and that's what I want to be. So I, I think you're right. I think he's in this because of a couple of things. One, he he himself wants to serve this province and the people of this province. And two, he wants to continue what he believes was a positive legacy of his brother in service and his father, for that matter, as well, in service to the people of Ontario. Um, uh, you know, and, and I and I also feel as far as him being more comfortable in his own skin, he seemed extremely comfortable in the debate as well as um, on the stage um, in various places that I've heard him speak. He seems very comfortable with his message. He keeps it brief. It's to the point. It's the things he believes that he says. He isn't, you know, he's not just mouthing words, talking points that somebody handed him. He's actually speaking from the heart. And I think that gets across to people. Um, The more he does it, the better he'll get at it because he actually, um, he doesn't have to be in order to be successful. He needs to be someone who people feel um, is telling them the truth and is convincing. And then he actually shows by his actions that he meant what he said. The most important time is going to come after he becomes premier of the province is can he achieve the things that he's going to commit to? He won't commit to an 84 page people's magazine as he calls it. Um, I call it the people's manifesto. Um, so, you know, but I think he's going to commit to, um, he's going to commit to a few things that he knows he can accomplish and he will work his tail off to get those things done and done well. So we're waiting to see exactly what the the, the platform under Doug Ford will be. Um, but I think people generally know the areas that he wants to work on. Um, obviously, one of them is the, the actual budget of the province and how the money is being spent. That's uh, a man with a, a tall order in front of him, Georgia. And what is the one thing he needs to do to uh, seal the deal and get the job done? Uh, I think that uh, he needs to 
let people know that he's not just um, a populist figure who talks in sound bites, as authentic as they might be, but that he actually, he's got to convince people that he can accomplish what he's setting out to do. And to me, that means he has to have a doable, realistic list of things, three, four, five things that he can commit to in a, in a way that he can flesh out, you know, a bit for people to say, this is how I want to approach doing this. And that people can look at and say, yeah, that's something that a person could actually see happening. Those that could be done. He does have a great team around him in the sense of his, the members of caucus, many of the candidates running are very talented to people who are going to be able to contribute a great deal to a Ford administration. Um, and he is a very uh, collegial guy who likes to work closely with people. He he knows the buck stops with him and he takes responsibility, but he's always looking for good ideas, good approaches. However, I will say he also has some very definite ideas about how he wants to do some things, which includes looking at how government operates, how efficient is it? He doesn't want to cut jobs. He doesn't think that's necessary. He thinks that the numbers can go down naturally, attrition and retirements, and only filling the absolutely required positions. So he doesn't want to cut jobs, but he says there are ways to work that will save money, that will be more efficient, more cost-effective, and um, and he believes that, and he's done it in his own company. He said, we reassessed how we did business, and we had to change the way we worked, and we did. So I think that you know he's a guy who... Who, um, who understands that these things need to be done? He's got to get that across to the voters that he ca- is capable of fulfilling the commitments he makes. And it sounds like he's a guy who's got a tall order in front of him. George Ann Burke, thank you for joining us on Buy a Dog. Thank you very much for having me. Great to talk to you both. Thank you, George Ann. Have a great day. Thanks so much. You too. <laughs> You know, Jamie, as you hear Georgian talk, you can feel I, I I just feel something different happening here. And I think all the parties see it. We all know things can go wrong. We all know that there's challenges here. But the uniqueness of this moment is if somebody had said a year ago that the liberals and the NDP were going to be worried about Doug Ford in the province of Ontario, we would have said, come on. Have a drink. Take care of yourself. <laughs> Indeed, and even the tone now coming from the PC campaign will be vastly different than the tone that Patrick Brown was painting. Patrick Brown was very much going for a kind of Bill Davis liberal light approach to seal the deal with voters and then kind of adopt, I guess, his own brand of conservative centrism, uh, inch things forward from there. With Doug, he's throwing that to the wayside and there will be a lot of unknowns and I think it also forces the liberals and the NDP to rewrite their own campaign strategies that they would have spent months building thinking they were going up against Patrick Brown. You're right, we're going to see some new kind of politics and that's frightening and exciting. Until the next time, I'm Arlene Bynum. I'm Jamie Allerton and you've been listening to Buy a Dog, the podcast. So if you found us so far, you've been on SoundCloud, but if you want to subscribe, the Buy a Dog podcast is now in the Google Play Store. It's on iTunes and in all the other major podcast directories. You can, of course, follow us on Twitter at Buy a Dog Podcast and on Facebook, facebook.com slash Buy a Dog Podcast. Podcast.